Welcome into another World Cup edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am your host, Mackenzie Riffers, joined by my co-host, Griffin Warner. And Griffin, we are undefeated the last two pods. I don't want to get uh, too high and mighty about it. I guess that's not the term, but you know what I mean. I don't want to get too rich for my britches because we were 5-0-1. At one point when we started this podcast, we were undefeated after our first three podcasts. Then we went 3-9 and after that. Oh, but then we went 3-0, and 3-0-1, actually, the last two podcasts. So that brings us to 12-10, 57% on the season. Even though I won my best bet, I am just pushing money around. I'm 50-50 on the season. Griffin, you're doing a little bit better than that. So without further ado, let me ask you, Griffin, you are the soccer guru. We talked about your future picks. We talked about your individual handicaps for the first set of games. But I didn't ask you the big question. Griffin, Warner. Who is going to win the World Cup that people want to know? My answer is Brazil. Um, they're who I picked in all my brackets. I feel like um, they're potentially if they, well, based, besides, uh, not to spoil anything, if you're listening, you might have already seen the results from today. But I thought that Brazil, Argentina, uh, one of Germany and Spain would all be on the same side of the bracket and potentially France as well. Um so that is the scary side, but I just think Brazil is the best. I think they are likely to be favored in every match they play. Um, maybe France, they wouldn't be. Maybe Argent- I think they would still be against Argentina. Um, of, of course, it doesn't mean everything, but um, they'd be my pick. I just think they're the strongest team out there. They can play against low blocks. They can score goals. They can defend with the best of you. If you're in a back-and-forth basketball-type game on the pitch, uh, I, I favor them against everyone. So they're they're my pick to win it. Um, though I did put out a future on the Denmark national team um, at a, as a long shot. Denmark pushing their game, tying Tunisia 0-0, but, you know, it's the beginning of things. Didn't lose. Not ideal. Still, still... Not, not ideal. Unfortunately, uh, very disappointed in that result. Um, but, you know, it really all that comes down to their – when they when they beat France, then I think that'll be uh, that'll be the telltale sign that I made the right bet. That really is it. The group does come down to that. Argentina doesn't have any more games to give. You mentioned it. They lose to Saudi Arabia. What do you make of that group? I mean, Argentina is still favored to win it, but they're plus 150 now. They're underdogs. They'll take the field over them. Mexico and Poland drawing nil-nil. Do you think Argentina still wins the group? I mean... I hadn't looked at the prices yet. Uh, I'm surprised that they've moved to an underdog. Their their numbers seem to be a little cheaper than I was expecting, honestly. Um, and maybe that was because a lot of people thought the uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia was really going to trip them up today. Though, um, I got to say, at 1-0 with a penalty to Messi in the 10th minute, I felt pretty confident that I actually was like psyched I didn't wake up for it at 4 <laughs> or 5 a.m. this morning. Um, but I did, already... did you see the second goal? Did you happen to see Saudi Arabia's second goal? I it it was awesome. Uh, apparently, they play soccer in Saudi Arabia too. It was shocking. It was like Lionel Messi had transformed himself into a Saudi Arabian. I mean, the take, the cover, you know, outside the box, right hand corner. I'll tell you this: the fans of Saudi Arabia, and I saw some of that second half. They looked shocked. They looked like they couldn't believe it. So I don't think anyone had Saudi Arabia. I mean, they were two goal underdogs. So I'm not saying anything you don't know. Yeah. yeah. But I think Argentina's in trouble, man. I think Argentina, it seemed like they were just throwing things at the wall to end that game. Messi didn't look 
good. He, I don't think he looks good in an Argentina uniform a lot. He doesn't seem like a striker. He doesn't seem like a midfield guy. He just kind of seems out there. So I would look at a potentially, I don't know, I guess Mexico and Poland, it's so close. I don't really have a bet to give you, but I would think somebody else other than Argentina would make it through. They're both about three to one. So I guess you could bet both of them and do all right. For my World Cup pick, I'm going to go Brazil. I'm going to go Brazil too, just because they're the best team. And uh, I kind of like them as a nation, to be honest with you. So let's get into these games. I won my best bet, but we're going to win a lot more bets together here. And uh, we have the soccer expert to do it for us. Morocco, they are catching a quarter goal underdog at Croatia. Griffin Warner, what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, and I got to stop you. It's really hard to say because I, I noticed myself when I was going through on my own podcast that when you say the matchups, there's no home team. That's true. That's true. Are. No at. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know that Morocco is hosting Croatia any more <laughs> than Croatia are hosting Morocco. Well, it did seem like Saudi Arabia was hosting Argentina for a minute. It did. Yeah. Kind of, but, you know. <laughs> Which is bizarre because everyone is saying how uh, Saudi Arabia doesn't have great relations with Qatar and like ultimately they probably are not going to have any fans there. Well, it certainly didn't seem like that. I'd actually did rewatch the match. I already knew the result, which unfortunately changes kind of how you watch things. When you're like, OK, well, I know this isn't going in type thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so for this one, Morocco, Croatia, um, I believe that it's a very important uh, start of the, the tournament really for uh, Croatia and, and I know that is a best bet of yours uh, from our futures episode if I remember yep. correct plus 215 uh, to win the group that's true yep I'm on it as well so uh, we're both we're both in love with the Croats uh, I saw them in Vienna and I was really impressed with uh, their aged midfield which uh, everyone talks about that might not be something that hangs around for a while the nice part is I think for three matches it's it's not safe but it's certainly helpful um, that they're only need to be there for that type of bet. Whereas asking them to be around for the whole tournament seems to be a bigger or taller task. Um, anyway, so Morocco, they've got a lot of talent. Um, they're coming out of Africa though. And I've got a lot of questions about the African side so far. Um, really all we saw was Senegal who played, I thought very, very well against the Netherlands and defended really well, but that was essentially the best team in AFCON or, or the, uh, I guess it's the CAF, the Africa Confederation. Um, when I look at this matchup, currently Croatia, as you said, a quarter goal favorite. Looks like that might even climb to a half uh, as we're teeter tottering between the two. Um, I think Croatia are better. Uh, I feel like I'm kind of surprised this number is as low as it was, considering Croatia was a pretty big favorite uh, in World Cup qualifying to Russia uh, before Russia was like kicked out of the tournament essentially for uh, waging war in another country. <laughs> Yeah, that'll um, happen. That'll happen. Yeah, another UEFA member, no, no less. Uh, I guess they don't like that sort of thing. But um, from from where I sit with Morocco, I I do question their defense. Um, I, I feel like it's hard to really trust who they want to be because I don't know. Because like in in Africa, they're one of the more dominant teams, and I don't think that's really the case for them uh, in the World Cup, especially against a, a nation like. Uh, like Croatia. So they have a goalkeeper in Yassim Buno, who's like fallen out of favor at Sevilla and kind of lost his job almost. Uh, Aguerd, who was signed from the French league to West Ham, really hasn't played much this year due to injury. And so I, I like don't really see a lot in their back line. And I'm expecting they're going to be under a lot of pressure because Croatia in that midfield will control the game. 
Um, Croatia maybe doesn't have the greatest striker uh, in their lineup, but Andre Kramaric hasn't had a great season in the Bundesliga, but ultimately he's a, a good big threat. And anytime Perisic goes on the wing, he's crossing the ball back to the back post. I, I don't know how people don't know it's coming, uh, but I watched him do it over and over and over again to Austria. And it seemed like it was the perfect place every time. So um, I think there's gonna be a lot of opportunities for Croatia. And I, I as an underdog player for almost the only thing I do underdogs and, and unders ultimately anything with an under in the name is what I'm doing. Uh, I just don't really see it in, in Morocco. Me wanting to get in the way of a Croatian team that I think is going to do really well in this tournament. I agree with you. Quick question before I talk about this pick. Uh, I, like I said, a Croatia, Luka Modric, Luka Doncic, who's greater all time. Oh, um, well, as a Dallas resident, um, <laughs> who's, been I think I've seen Luka Doncic twice. I want to say I I can't say what Luka Modric's mo- mother looks like. I, I do know that Luka. Doncic <laughs> well, how does Luka Doncic's mother look? Um, very good. Nice, uh, very nice. Good. I think she's I think she's well known. Um, most people have like wives and athletes sections for there, but uh, she's in the mom section. So, um, I think they had some sort of issue about her stealing some money from him though. So I don't know if how happen. how That'll good happen. that relationship is now. Uh, but Luka Modric is definitely the guy I'll take uh, on the soccer pitch. I'll put it that way. I think so. I think Luka Doncic has a way to go before he gets to a five-time champion, best player in the world one season. I mean, but I think he has a way to go. You, if you laid the wood and bet Mackenzie Rivers makes an NBA reference on a World <laughs> Cup pod, you have hit a yet again. All right. In this matchup, Morocco-Croatia, I kind of lean to the over here. It's split between two and two and a half. Over two minus one thirty makes a lot of sense to me. Morocco is better than I thought. Looking at some of their roster guys that play yep. on the international stage, got a guy yep. from Chelsea. Uh, they're eight two and two this season in international play, including a win over Saudi Arabia on November sixteenth, which looks better than it did. However, like you mentioned, they don't have a lot of brand name or any names at all on the defense. I feel like Croatia stretches out, gets a goal, maybe two, and Morocco could could tag them back for one. So I lean to the over minus 130, and uh, this might be a tougher matchup, but I still think Croatia will get it done, and that will put them in pole position to win the group and cash my plus 215 bet. Moving on here, we got Germany and Japan, two Axis powers, I believe, back in the day, but they are clashing against each other. What is it? Is that too soon? They're clashing. I mean, if it's (laughs) 70 years or 80 years, it's probably not too soon, but ah, maybe pushing 90 years, actually. Go ahead. I feel like with the Marshall plan, Americans at least, we get a pass. We can talk about it. But anyway, Germany is a goal and a quarter favorite, pushing to a goal favorite, not hosting, but facing Japan. What do you make of this matchup? (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm liking the one and a quarter on Japan, I got to say. So Germany essentially enters into the World Cup as a team, which I saw one analytical model that gave them like a 22% chance to win the World Cup. And I was like, have they noticed what their offense does? Because unfortunately, Germany is a lot of really young, speed, great talent players. Um, a lot of them play for Bayern München, and they're all pretty great at at being fast enough to run by you. They just, they don't really seem to have people that put the ball in the net. And that's kind of what you need in this sport. Um, the, now I'm, I'm a little concerned about Japan and their lack of offense, but in past world cups, it hasn't really seemed to be a problem. Um, they 
I think get through the group shockingly because no one ever expects them to, but it happens from time to time. Um, Germany coming off a, a really tight one nil victory on the road at Oman. I mean, I don't know that that's exactly a, a great tune up, but when you're putting out your, your best lineup out there and you get only get one against a team that I think finished in the mid mid table of, uh, Asian qualifying coming in, um, not great that way. Um, but I just, when I look at Germany, they have, they, they lack a finisher. They, they ended up bringing in. Um, a striker from Werder Bremen, Niklas Fulkru, who's like had never even been considered for the national team, but he's scored a lot of goals in the second Bundesliga and then this year in the top division in Germany. And they were so desperate for someone that they brought him in. Now, the Germany, German team is awesome. Um, I went to their match in Leipzig against Hungary where they uh, – lost one nil. So maybe I shouldn't say that right after I'm saying they're awesome, but their, their names are are big. They've got great defenders. They've got all you could ask for in the midfield with Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich from, from Bayern München. But ultimately um, I think when they're relying on Kai Havertz to score, we've seen how many times he kicks the ball into the stands, not into the goal. So the Stanford um, bridge stands, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, he, he's trying to take, fans heads off i don't really know if he just gets <laughs> mad at them for chanting against him or if he realizes that you get one point for the goal and you get three points maybe <laughs> american football rules but um and i think that's kind of a symptom of a lot of the german team like jonas hoffman who's a decent player from borussia Mönchengladbach. i don't think you'd expect him to be starting in the national team because he doesn't do a lot but he's started as a right wing in that match against oman um, Yosef Mukoku is like a 18 year old, like barely, uh, I don't even know if he can vote in a lot of places, uh, Borussia Dortmund player. And I just like, they have a lot of talent, but it doesn't really seem to come together into goal scoring and they need at least two to beat me. If I'm back in Japan, getting one and a quarter, uh, I also strongly lean to that under two and three quarters. I feel like Japan are really, really strong um in their organization and they actually have a little bit more attacking talent than you'd expect daichi kamada has been so good for eintracht frankfurt and is probably the reason why they advanced into the champions league last season winning the europa league and then also advancing this year into the knockout stages they don't have a lot to talk about offensively i don't think but they've got a lot of defenders in the bundesliga and across europe uh, and I think they're going to give Germany a tough match. And I think a one nil final Germany's celebrating at the final whistle and we're getting paid for it. Uh, maybe on a couple of different levels, if you back underdog and maybe under Japan, 250 to one to win it all. Germany is the sixth favorite at 10 to one Argentina. You might be curious. They went from six to one to nine to one after their loss today. So a slight dip Germany, of course, they're four time champions they are always going to be on top of the favorites list, but how good are they? You talked about the talent that they have a lot of new places. It could be uh, exciting or it could be just not, you know, not enough yet. That was my handicap on the USA. They got a lot of great 24 year old players. I don't think they're necessarily uh, ready for the moment in the second half against Wales. USA did not look that way. Germany's an interesting case because they have a new manager and the old manager. I was a supporter of, but that was back in 2014 when he was winning the world cup. So I can't really speak to the last seven years besides that. But just looking at some stats here, Hokim Love, Jokim Love, won about 62, 63% of his games. Their new manager, Hansi Flick, he's won 62.5% of his games, almost exactly the same. However, Love lost about 20% of his games, which is a good number, 18%. Hans Flick has lost only one out of 16 games. 
maybe it's just schedule or maybe it's a new team setup that they're doing. I'm curious, what do you make of the new German manager? Should they be optimistic about their chances? Was a switch necessary? So Hansi Flick was a Joachim Love's uh, second in command. So he was okay. a lot of... I mean, I don't know exactly how long the time kind of flipped together, but there was always the rumor like, hey, why aren't we giving this job to the second guy? It took until Hansi Flick left for Bayern München. He took over uh, when they were having a poor season um, a few years back and basically restored them, came from behind to win the Bundesliga and then won it going away. Uh, and right about that time, Germany lost 6-0 to Spain and everyone was already coming for Joachim Love's head. Supposedly the German national football manager is like one of those positions where it's kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL, where they give the job to someone and they rock them with them for like 20 years or something like that. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but certainly when things change all the time, that's also not good. So one, one might be better than the other. Anyway, uh, Hansi Flick to me plays a very similar style. Um, I think that Joachim Love kind of got caught with an inferior team, but he also had some like personality issues and clashes. Like, I think Joachim Love basically told Thomas Mueller, you're not playing for the national team anymore because we're getting younger. And Thomas Mueller's like, I'm like the best player on the best <laughs> team in the German league. What are you talking about? I score five like, goals every World Cup. Can I play I mean, this time? <laughs> straight up. And so they like never got along and things went bad because of it. Um, so uh, Thomas Mueller played for Bayern München and, and played under Hansi Flick. And he kind of like restored him into the team and things started to take off really. So that that relationship is fine. Um, but I think, um, I, and honestly, I, I was waiting for you to give out some stats to say that Hansi Flick was doing exactly the same. Uh, it seems similar, but the unbeaten record sounds pretty good or, or once beaten, uh, considering they are playing tougher matches in the top league of, um, the nation's league and all that sort of stuff. So, so that's, that's cool. But, um, I think ultimately Hansi Flick is, is a, a good, is in a good spot. For, to kind of restore some of the ability of Germany. Cause I think Gilkin love just looked really out of place after a while and looked like he was stale and the, the bread needed to get tossed to the pigeons. But um, I don't see a lot on this roster that he can do much with. He basically has a million wingers and he really needs a Robert Lewandowski, but unfortunately he's Polish. Unfortunately he's Polish reminds me of Podolski back in the day. Yeah. Great Polish striker was a, uh, was German when needed to be. Because like, I guess they got the strikers that, that Germany needs. Um, and if you need a midfielder like Mehmet Ozul, you grab him from Turkey. Germany, like the U.S., goes far and wide to get our international players. I mean, our national players. Right. All right. Griffin's going to lean to Japan, plus a quarter and a goal. I'm going to pass that game. I don't really have a strong lean either way. Here we have the next matchup, Spain, minus two. And we've moved on to the next day, 11 a.m. on Thursday. Spain is hosting Costa Rica. They're two goal favorites over under about 2.75 juice to the over close to three. A lot of these big favorites. We've seen a lot of goals, England, six, two USA. I mean, not USA, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, two, one. Could this be an over game? Is this, uh, is it, are we seeing that teams kind of loose early in the game when they're big favorites, or maybe it's just a couple of games and I'm drawing too much from a small sample. Either way, Spain minus two over Costa Rica. What do you make of this matchup? Uh, I don't really know how Costa Rica is going to have the ball at all, uh, which I think also speaks to I don't really know how they're going to score. Um, 
I'm very interested in seeing if this number gets back to three because I like under a lot. Okay. Here. okay. Um, I don't like, I'll admit, uh, the amount of stoppage time that's out there. Uh, it's driving me insane because um, I already took one pretty tough uh, lost at the end with Senegal uh, conceding in the 99th minute of a 98 of a 90 plus eight type of game. Uh, not really sure where that change came from, but I guess FIFA is like now actually using the stopwatch instead of just <laughs> coming up with some random number at the end. Cause that's unfortunately making teams like Costa Rica have to really, really struggle. Um, Cause they probably got with first half stoppage time, they probably got a hundred minutes in them. Um, and that's like their breaking point. So when they have to do more than that, unfortunately it's a lot worse. Um, as so, I mean, I do like the plus two and that you push on a two goal loss. Cause that's pretty um, significant loss in this competition. Yeah, we've seen France and England really put it on teams, but I feel like um, Costa Rica is a little bit better quality. And, and ultimately, I think Spain has very similar questions about their goal scoring that that Germany do, which is funny that they're playing against each other in the same group. They're kind of like the Spider-Man meme, each pointing at each <laughs> other. Um, and I, I think Costa Rica, What one thing we do know they have um, is – a really good goalkeeper in Kaylor Navas, who would be, I think, the starter at PSG if Gigi Donnarumma wasn't much younger uh, and basically the goalkeeper of the future. So he essentially would be one of the a goalkeeper, one of the best teams in the world. Hasn't played a ton, which worries me a little bit, but um, hopefully means he's fresh and doesn't isn't carrying any injuries. Um, and he's going to be an important part because Spain's going to have probably seventy five percent of the ball, which is like a monstrous number. Um, but Costa Rica, I, I kind of used to that playing in the CONCACAF against the uh, United States and also against Mexico. I feel like they're usually the ones uh, without the ball. And so they kind of know how to do it. Um, they don't really have anyone that I like Japan, as I mentioned earlier, they at least have some creators. I don't really know what Costa Rica have in that area at all, but probably why they're getting two goals, not one and a quarter. And also why I lean to that under two and three quarters right now, hoping for an under three, uh, which we had earlier is pretty juiced. And now it's still, I guess you could get a pretty juiced number out there, but I, I'm, I'm thinking some money might come in on the over, uh, especially after watching uh, France score a bunch of goals. I just don't think Spain have that in their, in their lineup. Um, similar to Germany. Um, they don't really have a striker. It's been a problem. I think for Spain for a very long time, um, usually they try to pass the ball in from the midfield. And I just don't think it's as dominant there, nor do I think they have someone to go to up front. Um, Alvaro Morata was favored as their like high scorer in this tournament. Um, I just don't really see him as the biggest threat to put three goals past Costa Rica. And even if he, he does somehow, um, that would push if that number's on three. Um, so I'm a little bit more interested, I think, in the under overall than Costa Rica because you buy a little bit more and I'm not expecting anything really from Costa Rica offense, but um, I, I lean to dog and under uh, stronger to under. I kind of like the under two here and you can get under three minus minus one twenty-five. It's a strong lean for me. Spain is just a different style. They're just going to keep the ball. They don't mind winning one zero. Uh, maybe they're similar in talent to France, but they couldn't be more different in terms of style, in terms of directness. So Costa Rica, if they're willing to give Spain the ball, Spain's willing to pass it around until they get one or two opportunities per game, three or four opportunities per game, put one of them in, win one zero. Makes sense to me, especially the way we've seen France, Argentina have these high-scoring games. They just don't play the same way. So if the market's expecting more of the same, I think they're in for a surprise here. Uh, and by the way, uh, if you're tuning in, just skip to the middle of the podcast like I sometimes do. 
We are discussing the second half of match day one games. So there's eight on the schedule, and we will move on here. Still on Thursday, 2 p.m., Belgium. They are a goal favorite over Canada. I've talked about my Belgium pessimism in previous podcasts. What do you make of this matchup, Belgium versus Canada? Uh, didn't love seeing Belgium losing to Egypt coming into this, um, though I don't know how much uh, friendlies right before the World Cup matters. You're ultimately just trying to like get some minutes and not get hurt, I think. Uh, but conceding twice in like the first 46 minutes to an Egyptian side um, that really doesn't look too great besides Mohamed Salah, and he's had a pretty tough year. Ultimately, that's not a great way to go in, to limp in, um belgium are this is their golden generation this is the best they would ever be and they've won nothing so far um they've won a lot of uh uh, popularity contests as the fifa number one ranked team in the world Uh, and that's done a lot for their seeding and given them easy runs and they haven't been able to take advantage of it because ultimately i feel like their defense is not good enough it's uh not great it's also very old uh seeing toby aldevaro like starting that last match against England, or excuse me, against Egypt, makes me think he's starting uh, in this lineup coming up. Um, probably with Jan Vertonghen, who's also extremely slow and old. Um, and I say that because obviously we know who they are; they've had great careers. But I just don't know that that's a great combination for Alfonso Davies on the other side and Tejon Buchanan, who are maybe not the most polished guys in the world, but are extremely fast. I think they call. I think Thomas Mueller, speaking of, calls Alfonso Davies cheater or roadrunner, something like that. One of those two. Um, and I think what Canada have shown, and they won the CONCACAF qualifying out of nowhere. Um, and they did that because they have a really pragmatic manager who knows how to set up his team to defend and counterattack. And I feel like that's the perfect scenario against Belgium. Certainly, I'm very scared going against Kevin De Bruyne. I'm not afraid to say that out loud. He's terrifying when you're on the other side. Um, but Romelu Lukaku really hasn't done anything for two years now, it feels like. Um, and I think Canada are going to be set up in a perfect way to counterattack, to use that one goal of insurance to try to keep Belgium and keep the shop as tight as possible and make it hard for Belgium to get them stretched. And a lot of Yuri Tielemann's shots from outside the box is, uh, is what it feels like to me. Maybe a lot of shots from Kevin De Bruyne outside the box. Maybe they hit one, but I think there's also a good chance that Canada can catch them on a counterattack. Uh, and make that plus one really stand up. So I, I really like plus one on Canada, uh, but also the under two and three quarters as well. Um, it's probably a broken record at this point, but dog and under is how I'm, I'm leaning in a lot of these that I see a dog having a chance. You mentioned Kevin De Bruyne. I think he's probably the one exception to Belgian players just being super disappointing. Lukaku, you mentioned the last two years. Hazard's disappeared once he went to league, uh, La Liga. Uh, the midfielder Witzel hasn't done much. And the defenders, like you mentioned, are getting old. So I, I'm a lean here to Canada as well. Talk about international players becoming national players. Alfonso Davies might be the second best player after De Bruyne in this matchup. I just found out he's from Ghana, but he's been repping the Canada team hard. So good for him. Good for them. They scooped him up. Their uh, recruiting trips, their free agent pickup has been strong. And yeah, Canada rocked maybe the best left finger, left winger in the world, left midfield, uh, left back winger left wide winger as they call it who plays wing back left wing back there you go that is the name i was looking for the left wing back maybe he's the best out there he plays for bayern munich he is a player to watch in belgium canada griffin's gonna lean to the plus one with canada all right moving on 
to Thursday. I guess those were, I'm sorry, those were Wednesday games. I was talking about Thursday, but those are Wednesday games. This is Thursday. Switzerland. A lot of people picking them for the World Cup Survivor Contest we have. A few people went out with Qatar. A few more people went out with Argentina. But uh, maybe maybe because they've, listening, they've been listening to this podcast and they rock with my man Griffin Warner, more than a few have picked Switzerland to survive, and they are getting almost a goal, 0.75 we'll call it. Not hosting, but facing Cameroon. What do you make of this matchup? Well, now I'm a little nervous because I, I do remember that I put that out there. I, I, I hope that the whole... A lot of hopes and dreams are oh, are, yes. are on your are on your pick here. On my shoulders. Great. Yes. Well, I feel the weight of the world at the moment. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that uh, I'm helping people out, uh, I guess. Um, also very glad to see Jan Summer played in the friendly against Ghana because uh, he was a doubt. Uh, for this tournament, really, in general. Goalkeeper for Borussia Mönchengladbach had hurt, and so, I think he damaged some ankle ligaments um, and basically has been the, like, forever goalkeeper. Like, if you think of Switzerland goalkeeper guy with long hair, that's probably who you're thinking of. Yep. Um, so good to see him back there because Switzerland, to me, is, is a defensive side that it's really how they build themselves is on defense. Uh, without him there, that's a little bit concerning, but I'm assuming if he played in that friendly, he should be available here. Uh, wasn't subbed off, so should be good. Um, Cameroon on the other side, I, I mean, speaking to just not really being sure about the uh, just the African uh, Confederation and their how well they play defense. Um, that's probably my biggest concern at the moment. Um, they certainly have some good goal scoring talent. In Eric Ch- Maxim Chubumoteng has been so hot for Bayern München. Uh, also, uh, Carl Tokolakambi, who's playing left wing for them. is a really good goal scorer from Olympique Lyonnais in France. Um, they, they've got a lot of really good talent up front. Um, what I really worry about is their defense. Um, they got a good goalkeeper in Onana, who's essentially taken over the reins at Inter. So there's a lot of talent on Cameroon that maybe you wouldn't have expected, um, until I just read off the entire <laughs> roster. Sorry for everyone, but, um, <laughs> So when I look at this matchup, I feel like Switzerland, known as a defensive side that have um, some attacking talent, like Brielle Mbolo's had a really hot year so far for, for Monaco. Jared uh, Shakiri, the powder keg, as they call him, because he looks like a keg uh, with ch- uh, shin pads. And so they're essentially going to be running at people. is uh, really fast. I think Shakiri's more of the, the creative left foot um, that can build things. And, and I just, when I look at Switzerland, I think of them as a great team, um, to bother a really strong team, but not, not necessarily one that I think is that strong themselves. Uh, they've had good results and they were in the top level of the nation's league. Um, so they've clearly had a good run or so in the last few years, but I don't know that there's this much of a difference between Switzerland and Cameroon based on the attack that Cameroon can, can present and the flaws that I think they can potentially exploit in Switzerland. So I I'm looking more towards that three quarters of a goal on Cameroon than I am to, and under in this one, just because I feel like I'd be back in the offensive team rather than the deep than the defensive one. That does worry me a little bit that maybe I shouldn't be <laughs> wanting to back Cameroon as much because I'm ultimately trying to back defense is like the biggest thing for me in this sport and really in a lot of sports. Um, but Switzerland feels a little big to me at given three quarters of a goal right now. Well, when your best players are goalie, it's going to be hard to cover a lot of games. <laughs> and this is how much better Jan Sommer is than the rest of the Switzerland team. Going back to FIFA ratings here, he's uh, three points better than the second best player of Switzerland descent, who is also a goalkeeper. 
that player is three points better than the Chelsea midfielder, Denis Zakaria, who's mm. the third best player in Switzerland. So huge gap between Jan Sommer, who's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and everybody else in Switzerland. So something to keep in mind, not necessarily an offensive-focused group. So Cameroon makes sense to me. Uruguay, second favorites in their group, take on South Korea. And Sonny will hope to make his World Cup uh, reappearance. What do you make of this matchup? Uruguay catching, or I'm sorry, giving about three-quarters goal to South Korea. Um. So, yeah, Sonny is a big question for me. Um. I, you know, I'm really impressed by, I, and I'll probably say this a lot, but the um, the organization of a lot of the, the Asian confederations defenses is really something I've been really impressed by. Um, and I feel like they are perfectly set up to sit back, defend, and then run at Uruguay, who are not the youngest uh, team out there. But the biggest question is, um, is Hyungmin Sun available? Um, is he going to play? Is he going to start? Those are all really important things to me. Uh, I don't see him playing in their last friendly, which is against uh, Iceland on November 11th. So it was 11 days ago. Um, unfortunately, every report that you read, I feel like it's hard to know what is actually true and what isn't. Um, so I, until I see a lineup, it's really hard for me to make it a guess, but essentially what South Korea want to do here, I think is sit back and defend as much as they can and make Uruguay, uh, have to stretch themselves, which then leaves South Korea open to counterattack. If they have Youngmin Sun and his pace available, then they will be a lot stronger and a lot more threatening, which probably makes Uruguay have to take less chances or when they do take chances, they can be punished really seriously as we've seen uh, teams like uh, Manchester City and Liverpool and the, like the best in the world struggle with human son's pace. Uh, I think Uruguay's defense will certainly will do the same. So um, with that said, Uruguay certainly have uh, the bigger names offensively by far. Um, I mean, Luis Suarez and, and Edison Cavani have been playing together for so long. Um, kind of incredible that they're still going with this probably looks like their last World Cup. I don't know that because it it really wasn't working in Comedy Ball, uh, South American qualifying to play them together. Um, but, and, and I see in their most recent match, um, it was Darwin Nunez starting next to Luis Suarez in the end of September. But I don't have them here playing a, a November friendly. So I am curious what that lineup is going to look like also. As for the spread in this one, um, Uruguay, they, to me, qualified for this tournament. It wasn't that easy, um, despite the big names. Uh, they really qualified uh, from playing defensively and getting one goal late in matches, um, which a one nil victory for Uruguay would cover the spread or a portion of it. You'd lose half a unit on South Korea, but uh, ultimately I, I think that risk is, is probably that that juice is potentially worth the squeeze because I feel like South Korea have a good chance to, to draw and maybe even win this matchup. Also when looking at the over under, it's, it looks like a very juice two and a quarter right now. Uh, so there's some safety there too. I don't know that either of these teams are, are likely to get two goals. So um, you'd have to combine, I guess, a 1-1, one, one, and you're still profiting a little bit on that juice two and two, two and a quarter right now. Uh, but lean to South Korea as the underdog at getting three quarters and also to under two and a quarter. So Hong Min Son, or Sonny, was spotted in a Batman-like facial mask yesterday at training camp, and reports are he headed a soccer ball, which was a question he hadn't, been, headed, he hadn't been heading the ball 
and reportedly he headed the ball. And also reportedly the manager came up to him afterwards and said, hey, 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 let's not go too fast or too hard. We need you, not for this practice, but for the World Cup writ large. So that's exciting. Best player, uh, arguably, in Asian footballing history. Uh, he'll be ready to go. I mean, and, that's, uh, so that's yeah. a big thing, because in watching the line so far, um, I thought that we'd get a half of a goal in South Korea. So this is a little bit above what I was expecting. The first number that I really was tracking was three quarters of a goal and very juiced. Then we dropped to a half, even money or so is what I have in my logs. And then we're back up to three quarters right now, as you just read off. So um, that tells me the market isn't sure. I do wonder if when Youngman's son starts, if that number falls precipitously. But uh, until then, I'm still very interested in Korea. And, and even at a half of a goal, I think I am too. Another prop I just noticed here, both team to score. Yes, plus 120, no minus 150. That's one of the ones like anti-fun bets. Then I feel like if you could bet every time, you're going to do pretty well because we've already seen twice on Tuesday, zero teams scored out of four uh, yeah. in me- in matchups with Mexico and Poland, Denmark and Tunisia. So I feel like there's value on the minus 150. All right, we will move on here. Staying in Thursday. Two more games to go here. Portugal just announced today Manchester United and Ronaldo are parting ways. Amicably or not, they are parting ways, and he's getting out of his contract. So when the club season starts back up in January, where will he be headed? That'll be a question. For now, he doesn't care about that, neither do we. We care about Portugal. Goal and a quarter favorite over Ghana. What do you make of this matchup? Well, you know it's amicable when they're announcing it during the World Cup to try to bury (laughs) the story as much as possible. Uh, So, yeah, that's probably a little weird. But Cristiano Ronaldo is probably like, well, this might be the last I play of my career. So I'm going out on top. Uh, I would imagine like it's the same, I think, Portuguese manager that's been around forever, Santos. I I don't know that he's necessarily going to step in the way and say, no, Cristiano, you're not playing. So his spot seems pretty safe to me. Um, I think, I mean, the way I felt about Portugal for a while is that they – struggle to score goals. I mean, unfortunately, I keep saying this about so many teams here. I recognize that. It's probably not that fun to hear, but it's honestly how I feel about this, these teams. And I, I feel not necessarily justified so far, but there's been a couple big, big scoring punches that have been out there and there's not really been a lot else. Um, so my kind of take on Portugal is, is no different than the rest. I think that they are a very scary team to play against in the knockouts as an underdog. Like if Portugal is getting a quarter from almost anybody, I you could probably uh, don't even have to twist my arm too hard to get me interested. Um, but I don't really like them as a favorite of more than a goal. Um, Ghana pr- kind of proved to me they, if I remember correctly, they got through Nigeria and through the Cote d'Ivoire Ivory Coast to get into the World Cup. So they had a really tough way to get there and played really defensively against Nigeria, and it worked like a charm. Uh, I don't know necessarily. Portugal certainly have a lot better talent uh, on on offense than um, uh, than, uh, than Nigeria did, but ultimately I think it's still a, a tough part for them to really put a bunch of goals in the back of the net, and they need at least two to beat me. So – I'm really interested in uh, Ghana getting one and a quarter goals. I think that's going to be a, a really low scoring game as well. Under two and a half is, is seems higher, I think, than it should be. So I lean to both of those right now. And that's mainly a play against the Portuguese offense. All right. Underdog again, Griffin leaning. And you say, you say, you know, I mean, 
the best you can do, anyone can do when I'm listening is give me your analysis. If the analysis is, wow, people aren't realizing this, but this is undervalued every single day, then that's strong analysis. And I need you, obviously, the world needs to be told if they're not reacting. So makes sense to me. I wouldn't shy away from having um, similar analysis if it applies to multiple games here. However, that being said, if there's one favorite, my man Griffin Warner might be neutral on or even lean towards in this match day one card. I think it might be this one. Brazil, minus one goal, minus 120. You mentioned it. They are your tournament pick, plus 350 right now, and they are Griffin Warner's pick to win it all. Mine too, for what it's worth. And they're laying a goal versus Serbia. What do you make of this one? Yeah, uh, so I pretty much, if I, I guess you could probably reason it out. If I don't like the underdog, then I guess that means I like the favorite, right? Means you love the favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't even have an under. I haven't been tracking the movement on the uh, total here either because I don't like under. Um, yeah, so Serbia has got a really tough uh, match in front of them. They made this tournament and actually forced Portugal, speaking of, to go through qualification because they surprisingly – uh, finished above them in a qualifying group, um, which essentially put both Portugal and Italy in a place where only one would make the tournament, but then Italy fell on its face. Um, but they're not playing for a while, so I guess we don't have to talk about them. Anyway, so Serbia clearly have have slayed some dragons before, uh, but this is quite a start. And I honestly feel like Serbia, um, so getting a, a goal of insurance is nice and looks like it might even be climbing to one and a quarter potentially by the time this kicks off. I would expect only Brazil money to really flow in on this one, um, especially because Brazil is almost immune to injury because they have so many great players backing up great players. Um, but I think if you're back in Serbia here, you're expecting them to be really competitive because uh, I would think when you open up a group against the team that everyone expects to win, um, you don't want to take a massive defeat because then that gives a ton of advantage to your opponents, uh, Switzerland and uh, Cameroon to um, to essentially see you get blasted and then just lose by less to you. And then they're automatically in a better position to qualify. So um, I do worry about Serbia trying to fight their way back into a match, especially if they're down two nil, they might be uh just kind of shutting up shop and trying to not make it get worse. And that's the worst thing in my humble opinion is when you bet an underdog and they're not trying to uh, get back into the game. Um, now that's assuming a lot of things, but Serbia essentially have a lot of great attacking talent. Uh, too many players, honestly, to even name, they're all really good offensively, but then uh, the defensive side is where I'm concerned. And I feel like Brazil is a perfect team to kind of use that to their advantage. I don't think Serbia is going to play defensively and try to defend because they know that's not what they're good at. What they're, I think, going to try to do is outscore Brazil until it gets too ugly, um, which concerns me quite a bit because I think Brazil are the perfect team to make it get really ugly really fast. Um, in terms of total, I actually lean over, over two and three quarters. Um, I imagine this one will close three, though the juice doesn't certainly point to that right now. Uh, I just don't necessarily think that Serbia sees their best chance very, I think there's a lot of pride in that part of the world. Uh, and I don't think they're going to try to sit back and defend Brazil. I think they're going to try to outscore them. Uh, and that looks like a recipe for disaster. We got best bets coming up here in a minute, but I know you guys are already listening attently, intently because uh, yes, Griffin, you picked Switzerland as your, uh, you know, hypothetical survivor pick. You also mentioned briefly I'd probably save Brazil. I probably wouldn't use Brazil right away. I'd probably save Brazil. Well, we had 119 members. Well, we actually had more than that. 119 members sign up for the World Cup Survivor Contest that actually submitted picks. 
about great. 40 of you guys entered and didn't submit picks, but not great. Yeah. <laughs> it, we had a good turnout either way. The 119 was a good number. We were happy about it, but zero, zero out of 119 picked the title favorites to survive in week one. I don't think that's a coincidence. Griffin just mentioning briefly, I'd probably save Brazil. Well, at least one of you guys that survived already has picked Brazil in game two. So take that for what it's worth. All right here. It is Thanksgiving, and we have a money-saving opportunity for you at pregame.com. Before we give you our best bets for myself and from Griffin Warner here, on pregame.com, use the coupon code GOBBLE, as in what a turkey does. Thanksgiving week, the coupon code is GOBBLE, G-O-B-B-L-E. That'll get you $25 off anything on the website. Maybe you want to try out a Thanksgiving Best bet package. Well, that costs you about $25. Zoop. Gobble. Promo code Gobble. G-O-B-B-L-E. Use that on pregame.com. $25 off anything on the website. Now let's get into some best bets here. Griffin, if it's all right with you, I will uh I will take the T box first. Go ahead. And you, uh, my- you were the you were the winner. Um, I feel like you deserve it. Appreciate it, man. I mean, I am uh I am not as expert on soccer, but I've learned, honestly, this is like my favorite part of the week. I feel like I can learn something and uh, go into a sport that, you know, a lot of times is ignored in on the rest of my week. So I appreciate man, it. I, I, you know, I don't want to make this too touchy feel of an episode, but that's really <laughs> nice to hear, Mac. I got to say, like, someday you'll be able to pronounce Real Valladolid. I'm not expecting <laughs> it today, but. Yeah, or Jayon or whatever it is. All right. <laughs> For my best bet here, let me go with Spain. We mentioned this one. Under three, you got to lay minus 125. Spain, Costa Rica. And I feel like it's just style makes fights. And we've seen teams like England give up a couple goals in Iran. Argentina be a little bit loose. And there were great goals, but probably should have been a little bit tighter. And they ended up giving up goals to Saudi Arabia. Here we have a big favorite. But when they get lax or when they try to take their foot off the gas, in my opinion, the possession style of Spain means less goals, not more goals. If they're a little bit sloppier, that means they're going to pick up possession a little bit farther away from their goal, take a little bit longer to go towards Costa Rica's goal. That's not necessarily, in my opinion, going to create an up-and-down game. I think the more conservative Spain here is, the less goals they score and the less opportunities, if any. Costa Rica might not have a shot in this game when it's all said and done that they're going to get. So that'll be my best bet. I feel like... uh under two and a half is all right, but the fact that I can get under three, only laying minus 125 makes it the best bet for me. So that's where I'm going to go for my best bet. Griffin Warner, what is your best bet for match day 1B? 1B. 1B, one for the best. Um, yes, sir. Try to stay undefeated for everyone as well. Uh, I mean, I'm barking up the same tree. Uh, I really like the under in the Germany-Japan match. Um, Both of these matches will be on Wednesday, if I remember correctly. So get you some before we get into uh, the Turkey Day. Hopefully you can have, uh, or maybe the the Turkey will be a lot cheaper uh, if you're buying it day of. Probably not a great idea because they're probably not available. So I'm going to stop there. But uh, yeah, I like under in Germany-Japan. I got two and three quarters right now. I would love for the three, and uh, actually there is a juiced version, minus 130. It's expensive. I expect it will get cheaper by the time it all kicks off, but I do think there's some value, more value, I guess, in that um, additional. Hey, this segment's price. called your best bet, Griffin. So 
What's right, your best we're, we're bet? E- we're eating the 130. There you go. I, I want the three because uh, there's a lot of safety there. It's like buying the hook, I guess, in, in football. Uh, if you can try to avoid doing it too often, do it. But I think you'll you'll get a cheaper price by the time this kicks off. Anywho, Germany just don't feel like they have enough goal scorers. I feel like we can celebrate, um, give the, the field goal sign every time Kai Havertz kicks the ball over the net into the crowd. Uh, I feel like that will happen more than once. And uh, I look forward to celebrating each of those with each and every one of you. Uh, and I also think Japan can really kind of give Germany some problems. So I feel like Germany won't be able to go up the pitch as much as they want. And that'll reduce the amount of opportunities they have. So Japan, Germany, under three uh, at 8 a.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Hansi Flick only lost one time as 16 times as manager of Germany. How does he do that? Generally keeps things close to the vest, doesn't allow too many goals, perhaps zero to Japan. I'd say that's that's about a minus 160 favorite, that they don't give up any goals. So that'll be Griffin's best bet, Germany-Japan, under three goals. I'm going under Spain-Costa Rica for my best bet. That was match day one. It's been a lot of fun, huge upsets, lots of goals so far, and some intrigue, some injury comebacks, all to keep track of. We will keep all of it on track for you, and we'll stay undefeated as best we can, too, with our best bets. We will check you next time for match day two on RJ Bell's Dream Preview World Cup Edition.